1: Well, the Bucks survived 25-23 over the New York Giants. Came right down to almost the final play of the game. Referees picking up a flag on what they thought originally was maybe a pass interference on a two-point conversion on Antoine Winfield. He was defending uh, Deion Lewis, but it was not interference. The Bucks hang on. They win. Did not play that great, but you know what? Sometimes that's what good teams have to do. The Giants fall to a 1-7. It was a a cold night, uh, both for the offense and the defense, especially in the first half, and then a couple of turnovers really got things going for the Bucks. We'll talk all about the Bucks' twenty five to twenty three win from the Meadowlands. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with Steve Versteeg. Hey, folks, uh, if you want the best party platters for your catering in Tampa Bay, I could use one right now, as a matter of fact. It's Mr. Empanada. What the heck is an empanada? Well, here's what you do: you take your favorite foods. You place them inside a pocket of homemade dough that is cooked perfectly until it's golden brown and piping hot. Their empanadas are a fresh twist on some old favorites. You can order delicious menu items from scratch, including soups and salads, and their Cuban sandwiches online at MrEmpanada.com. Or you can call any one of their seven convenient locations in Tampa Bay, where Latin food, quality, and service meet. It's Mr. Empanada. Steve, it's so late, it's early. Um, I don't know if anybody gets up at uh, 2 o'clock in the morning, but if they do... I did. <laughs> you did, just to do this podcast. Um, the game The game lasted, of course, uh, uh, pretty late, and uh, I thought we were going to go overtime there for a minute. This was a weird one, um, and, and I have to describe for you sort of the different dyman- dynamics going on during this COVID era, and there's no way around this, really, except that Some places you go, like Las Vegas, like Chicago, and then, of course, on Monday night at MetLife Stadium, there are no fans. And when I say no fans, I mean zero fans. There are really no spectators, uh, uh, ushers, anybody in the stadium with the exception of the two teams. Um, Some media people are high up in the press box, but they can't see us. And it really makes for an on-the-field sterile environment. And on a cold night, it was windy. You have to find a way to generate your own energy. And Bruce Arians talked about this, you know, after the game. I thought they struggled to do that in Chicago. I thought they really struggled to do that on Monday Night Football. I mean, even these guys know that they're being broadcast, you know, nationwide. It's just different. And, you know, you, you just don't get the energy. There's a little bit of piped-in noise, but not enough, you know, to really make a difference on the field. So... Uh, you know they started flat, and I got to give Joe Judge and his team a lot of credit. They came out with a really good plan. I thought Jason Garrett had a terrific plan on offense. They were able to run the football, which nobody has done against the Bucks all year. And for the first half, at least, uh, Daniel Jones, he missed some some wide open receivers, um, but he did get uh, you know a pretty good lead uh, going into halftime. And then the second half happened, and we can talk about that. But initially, it was just a, it was just a slow really slow start painful start for the bucks who were held to just three field goals in the first half
0: well and, and you know this too particularly on a Monday night the crowd is different yes you know particularly you know if you're in an area where you know for instance when the buccaneers have a Monday night football game coming up against the Rams at home- mm-hmm. a place you don't have Monday night football a lot it's really different but but even in New York, I mean, the crowd for Monday Night Football or even Sunday Night Football is very different than what you get for a one o'clock or four o'clock game on a Sunday afternoon. It's
1: hyped. Totally hyped. Yeah. And,
0: and we've talked about this a lot. You know, this team is getting a lot more primetime opportunities this year. Mm-hmm. And, and traditionally, they don't get many of those. So still, many of these guys in this team are not used to playing in primetime. That's true. And now they've got to, you know, the excitement level that they probably have internally. Is you know they're in the prime time now. We've talked about this going. I mean, Brady's used to it, but many others aren't. So now they're they're excited about prime time, but they get there and it's different because yeah. there's no there's no crowd. There's no, there's that buzz you ex- expect, that buzz you've watched on television since you were a little kid, dreaming to play on Monday Night Football, isn't there? And I'm I'm sure it, it is hard to generate that excitement a little bit, even though you're excited to play there and you're excited to be on national TV, you're excited to be in New York City, yeah, but it's different than what you dreamed it being
1: well and because it's a Monday night game you have to be in the city you know on Sunday sometime that's a long wait it's a long wait just the day of the game right mm-hmm. when you don't kick it off until like eight twenty or so you, you you're sitting around pretty much all day on Monday well how about all day on Sunday too so you know these guys have been sort of you know languishing around and then they go to the stadium there's an empty parking lot I drove straight in Um, Very few cars, if any, and again, it's just mostly media, a couple of law enforcement and and such, um, some ushers. But but really, you walk in, it's almost as if you're going to scrimmage. It it feels like, um, you know, there are no fans, there's no buzz, there's nothing. And you're right, they they know they're being televised on national TV. They want to put their best foot forward. It feels nothing like a Monday night football game. And on top of that, it was, you know, a little bit of weather, a little bit of wind. Um, can't really explain, you know, sort of how they played, except that in the National Football League, if you don't come ready to play and the other team does, you're going to look bad. It doesn't matter who you play. These are all the best players in the world. There's not, we've always said this, there's not much difference between one and seven and seven and one at the end of the day. Um, but the difference was, at least in this game, that Daniel Jones had a chance to win this game and sort of threw it away. <laughs> um, you know, he missed some wide open receivers. He had guys running free all night. Couldn't connect on, on uh, maybe one of those I think he hit. Uh, look, they they made a nice drive at the end of the game after they gave up the lead, converted a fourth and 16, which you didn't expect to see, got the ball in the end zone on a nice touchdown pass, and it looked for all the world that Antoine Winfield was going to get flagged and was flagged for pass interference, but then when they looked at it, uh, the ball hit his arm, and, and uh, really he had not – Done anything to uh, to affect the receiver, so they wound up picking it up. I know Joe Judge, Joe Judge was furious about that, but hey, you know, I think they got the call right. They did. Um, you know, I I don't know how that's interference. I, I try to imagine if it went against them and they got the two point, and the Bucks lost, and then you know somehow that that game cost them the division or cost them uh, a playoff seed or something like that. Um, that's one of those you you know the NFL does not want to have, you know, the New Orleans Saints-like calls, right, affecting big games. And you might say, well, this is a Giants game, but it's national TV, everybody's watching. So I thought it was good that the officials got together and, and realized that uh, Winfield didn't interfere and he kind of had his back and, then, you know, the ball hit his arm. So that was the game. But, um, you know, afterwards, I think the Bucks realized they didn't play their best. But but sometimes, you know, we're halfway through the season, they're 6-2. and two. Let's put this in perspective. They've never been better than 6-2 and two to start a season. They've done this three times. The last time they were 6-2 and two was 2002, and they won the Super Bowl. So this is a rare, rare start, and and not an easy one that's been achieved by Tom Brady uh, and the Bucs. And they still have a lot of injuries on offense. You know, we saw Jaden Mickens play a huge role. I mean, I think he was targeted more than any receiver on the field uh, in that game, and he wound up catching four or five balls. But he ended up playing Chris Godwin's uh, position in the slot, and uh, which was I thought was kind of unusual. They didn't use Tyler Johnson as much, although Tyler Johnson probably had one of the biggest plays on uh, second or third down. I can't remember which it was. But, you know, it, it just seemed like from the beginning, Brady hits his first four passes, and then two bad snaps by Ryan Jensen. Mm-hmm. That's all it took to throw off the rhythm. And Ryan Jensen has been guilty of this ever since he's been here. He he is inconsistent with the shotgun snap, and that is why, if you read these stories, and I've done some notes on them, that Tom Brady has changed his stance. He used to have his left foot back, then his right foot back. Now he stands with his, his you know feet shoulder width um, in an athletic position because he doesn't know where the ball's going. I mean, he has to be able to, you know, and he threw a touchdown pass a couple of weeks ago with one that was below his knee. He caught one-handed on his left side. So uh, those two throws, he had guys open, and... Uh, It just threw the rhythm of the playoff. And so, you know, it just goes to show you it doesn't take much, um, you know, to screw that up. But they hung in there. And, you know, he made two big-time throws to two big-time players when he needed to. Rob Gronkowski uh, caught a ball that had actually been tipped at the line of scrimmage. And then Mike Evans makes a great play on that fade for a touchdown. And that was the difference in the game. Daniel Jones with Shaquille Barrett wrapped around him, tries to squeeze a couple balls in there and, you know, you wind up with interceptions by Carlton Davis and um, the other one by Sean Murphy Bunting, which is his first of the year. And and that led to 10 points for the Bucks in the second half. I mean, that's your ball game. We talk about quarterback play all the time. I mean, why is Tom Brady here? Well, he's here because Jameis Winston did what Daniel Jones has done. He turns the ball over too much. You cannot win football games if you give the ball to the other team. And the Bucks gave the ball to Daniel Jones to start the game on a fumble by Ronald Jones, and that led to an easy touchdown for them. So, they overcame that, but um look they're they're very fortunate to get out of this, this city with a win.
0: You and I were talking shortly before we recorded, not as much as we normally do because it's late, but I, I was, you know, thinking back and I'm going, How how are the the Giants even in this game with <laughs> as many throws as Daniel Jones missed? Oh man, I tell you. Um but but you know, then thinking back too. You know, one of the things, particularly the last couple games, that the Bucks have done really well is not no penalties. But they right. had a couple bad offsides tonight, defensive offsides. Mm-hmm. Um, one that led to the first score. They probably would have held a field goal so. after the, the Ronald Jones fumble. If, if uh, I believe that was the Devin White one. No, that was Shaquille mm-hmm. Barrett, I believe. Barrett. On that
1: one. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And then later they had uh, Devin White was offside. Now he made up for it with the sack on third down to take him out of field goal range. Right. But, I mean – that stuff wasn't happening the last couple of weeks, which, you know, you're letting the Giants stay in that game by doing those kind of plays. I mean, yes. that's not a, you know, we fought for the ball or, you know, hands accidentally got in the face as you're pass rushing. I mean, size is a mental error. And, and you know, that wasn't happening the last couple of weeks. So, you know, you kind of let the Giants hang around because of that. And, and you know, that's something that, you know, you know the bad snaps by Ryan Jensen absolutely cost him possibly a touchdown on that drive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know it was just it was the little things
1: yeah and that's what gets you beat and and, mm-hmm. and you know bad teams And you know I, I sat home on Sunday uh, and had an opportunity which doesn't happen much because the Bucks don't play on Monday night very much but um, I didn't come up to uh, to New York or New Jersey until the day of the game and and when you watch the red zone which by the way uh, that that's one of the greatest inventions ever if mm-hmm. you don't want to have to sit there and th- sit through a whole game and Hanson does an unbelievable job but um, I was watching it, and what you realize when you watch these games is, these games are not won; they're lost. More games are lost than than just getting beat. They, the teams beat themselves, and you watch turnover after turnover after turnover. That's all you see. Um, and so you know the team that can can protect the football number one, and then capitalize when they do get um, some short fields. Those are the teams that win consistently every week. And and again. You know Tom Brady has gone five games now without throwing an interception. Do you realize that's only happened, and this is sad, three times in the history of the Buccaneers where a quarterback went five <laughs> games without an interception? I mean, I mean, and probably
0: some... different from years past is Brady's throwing touchdowns during this time. It's not, yes, you know, I I I don't know the times it's happened in the past, but I'm guessing it's not 17 touchdowns or whatever he's got and, now. You know, in one the last... pick, yeah, yeah,
1: in the last six games, right. No, I don't think you'll see that sort of success over, over that that span. But, yeah, when you protect the football, um, you know, you have a chance to win. And then, of course, you got to make plays when they're there to be made. And Brady did that. He did not have a good first half. He missed a lot of guys and and such. It was funny because – There was a lot
0: of miscommunications, I think, in that first half too. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. like Mickens stopped on a route at one point. Right, yeah. Uh, you know, there were some mm-hmm. things – that, and, you know, look, he's dealing with some new receivers. We know that. Yep. Um, it wasn't his best. I thought he threw into double coverage a couple times, which is not like him. Right. Um, you know, things like that. But, uh, you know, overall, I didn't think he played poorly in the first half. I, he had a couple, you know, like I said, there were some miscommunications. And I think he, a throw or two into double coverage. But
1: Yeah. Um, well, I mean, he came out, he his first four, and then, like I said, the snaps got him. Mean, it doesn't take much to get him off, off schedule. One thing, Bruce Arians saw this coming, by the way. Before the game... Uh, last night when they had their team meeting, he wrote the old assume. You know what happens when you assume, right? He wrote it on a chalkboard, mm-hmm. A-S-S-U-M-E. You, you make a ass out of you and me. Um, and his point was is that, you know, because you're going to play the one and six Giants and, and you've been riding pretty high in the saddle with two twenty five 25-point wins and, you know, Brady's playing great and the defense is dominant and all these things – he tried to warn them, you know, and, and we call it a trap game in the media. You know, oh, they're going to look ahead. You don't really look ahead so much as you just think you're better than the other team. In fact, you know you're a better football team, and so you you, you have every expectation to win, but you, you may not give as much respect to that football team because of their record. And, you know, there was enough guys on this team that, that saw that collapse last year. They blew the 18-point lead in the second half to the Giants. It was Daniel Jones' first start as a pro. Um, and a lot of those guys remembered that and they wanted revenge. Um, but many others, you know, fall into the trap of, well, we'll just show up and we'll beat these guys. And exactly what, you know, Arians feared might happen did. They came out flat. Um, they couldn't get the ball in the end zone. You know, they scored nine points in the, in the first half. And um, they were in a dogfight. You know, they found themselves and even right to the end. I mean, if, if they convert the two-point conversion – Who's to say they don't win the coin toss, go down there, score a touchdown, and you, and you walk out of here? And now, Sunday night's game doesn't have quite the same, you know, quite the same shine as it, as it will. I mean, this is a big time NFL football game coming to Tampa Bay for Sunday night football with Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth. And, you know, uh, it's for first place in the NFC South. This team, whoever wins this game, really does sort of have a little bit of an advantage. Obviously if the Saints won, they would have a season sweep of the series over the Bucks and, and, and the first tiebreaker, which which, you know, obviously is, is big if you if you can't finish a game ahead of the Saints and you wind up tied with them, you're gonna lose the division and end up a wild card team and be on the road for at least three games. So this is a this is a big time football game and, you know, they hope to get Chris Godwin back. One guy they will have, <laughs> Antonio Brown. And I got to be honest with you, you know, and and we've talked about his off-field situations. I don't know if you saw this over the weekend, Steve. Apparently, if you're wondering uh, where Antonio Brown has been staying, uh, that would be at Brady's house. You don't think Tom Brady had a little something to do with his acquisition? For all the Bruce Arians know, no, no. Bruce Bruce told
0: us. Bruce told us this had nothing to do (laughs) with Tom Brady.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, Tom is taking responsibility for him. That's for sure. And he's driving him to work every day to make sure he gets there. Um, I know he's got plenty of room over there at the uh, Jeter Estate, but um, uh, and I guess you know at some point soon here, Antonio's going to find his own place. He might want to rent um, just to see see how things go. But um, but he's you know he's got it. He's got to meet all the COVID protocols, and he's got to be you know a, a good soldier that way. But at the end of the day, if he's in shape and and even at thirty two, can can provide. Uh, somebody else that the defense has to worry about. I mean, Mike Evans has been drawn just a ton of double teams. Almost every team now plays the Bucs the same way. They play cover two. They keep the safety high up over Evans. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're not going to give these guys shots down the field. So you'll see an occasional one with, with um, you know, Scotty Miller. You might see an over route with Gronk. You might see, you know, some of those balls. But as far as trying to get it down the field to Mike, it's just really difficult. He did have him open one time and he underthrew him. I thought Mike had more of a step you know on the defender Bradbury does a really good job james bradbury on on Evans, and he always has even when he's with carolina but um but yeah it was it was interesting because uh they needed those guys on defense to step up and and what a year you know some of those defenders are having. if you go back to last season when they blew that eighteen point lead, there were people riding that the Bucks had the, the 32nd uh, worst, you know, the, the worst secondary in the NFL. And those guys took it to heart. Um, it didn't happen right away. They, they, you know, took a couple more games. They went out to Seattle and got dumped. And then they started meeting with Todd Bowles. Um, but when you think about Carlton Davis and how he had just one interception in his first two years, and that didn't come late till last year, he's now got four. Four interceptions were halfway through the season. Can I just tell you something? That guy's going to the Pro Bowl. I mean, you're going to the Pro Bowl if you end up with five or six picks, you may lead the NFL. And, you know, he's well on his way to that. Um, Sean Murphy Bunting got his first. He led him last year with three. Mm-hmm. He's been kind of scuffling a little bit with some pass interference and what a big play that was for him. And then Antoine Winfield, I mean, all this guy does is show up at the biggest moments in football games. And, you know, Deion Lewis is not an easy guy to cover for a safety that's five foot nine and you know not really sure where he's going out in the flat, but uh, he did make a play on the ball, and, and the officials, I think, got it right. And they win the game because, you know, that secondary stood up. And even though they'll get the ball thrown over their head a few times, and like I said, you know, I really did believe that um, they probably should have hit more of those with Daniel Jones. Well, that, that right is back. the
0: one thing that concerns me about the secondary. Jamal Dean was exposed tonight.
1: He was. Because his was. guy
0: was running wide open a lot of times. He was getting mm-hmm. blown by, and Daniel Jones couldn't hit him,
1: right? Uh, right.
0: He either wasn't patient enough to throw the ball to, to that to the, that receiver, or he just missed him. And yeah. you know, granted, you know, I, I still think Jamal Dean's fine. I, I think you know he had a bad night for sure, um, yeah. And, and was helped out by a quarterback who wasn't hitting his throws. So um, that's right. But,
1: yeah, but I, you know, but that
0: secondary is one of the better ones in football. And and I'll be the first to say, two years ago, I wasn't high on them at all. Um, no. But but you also they were all very young at that time too. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. they were all rookies and second year players. And yeah, they got gashed some and, and but they they learned from it. They they worked at it and, and kudos to them because and I, I love Antoine Winfield Jr. I think he's fantastic.
1: Oh, such a good player. Wow. A rookie of the year candidate. He's got such great defense.
0: instincts. That that's mm-hmm. what that's what you really love. I mean, he's got the, all the skill, the speed and the you know, all that part of it, but he's he's got great instincts, which his dad did too. I mean, I remember watching his dad play, and his dad was fantastic. So
1: He's a ball hawk, yeah, and I think Winfield is, and he's always in position. You don't have to worry about him not doing his job. He was in position to make that play, the biggest play of the game on a two-point conversion, um, and you're right. I mean, you know, these guys, they're young. What I like about them is even though whether it's Dean or whoever gets the ball thrown over their head at times – they're no less aggressive. They really mm-hmm. have that sort of short, you know, short memory mentality yes. that they keep competing. You know, they don't get too down if if somebody makes a play on them, which is a hard thing to do in this league. It's hard to take a young player and not hurt his confidence when he gets beat on some plays. And these guys keep coming at you. And so, you know, um, they make they force the quarterback to make good throws, and, and Jones wasn't good enough to do it, you know, on this night. Um Again, it wasn't the best night to throw the ball. There was some more wind down there. than You probably realized watching on TV. But well, was this what, was this
0: one of those games where Tampa Bay played under forty degrees? And you know, I mean, that used yeah, to be the stat oh, for were, many, yeah, many years. That was but, the stat.
1: Oh, I dragged that one out. Yeah, I dragged that one out every every. Uh, I, I don't know what the temperature chance.
0: was at, at kickoff, but
1: it was thirty nine. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they went against their uh, their well well earned um, can't win under forty degrees, which I was you know there I, I probably wrote that. however many times between when I started until they broke it, I believe against the Chicago bears one year, maybe in 97, I want to say when they wound up winning the division, but yeah, they, they couldn't win on the West coast. They couldn't win when it was under 40 degrees and look, they, they didn't look comfortable out there. I mean, it was, you know, it was freezing, but um, you know, you can't blame the weather obviously. And, And Tom Brady, has played in 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 that and worse. So they have a quarterback that's okay to spin it. Uh, no, you know, but when, when you've been practicing
0: bad. at you know ninety degree weather here in Florida, it's been which has been yeah, today was beautiful. You missed it, but yes, um, and it's going to be beautiful, I guess, for today and tomorrow, and then it's going to be in the upper eighties again for the foreseeable future. Right.
1: But, yeah. Right. Well, maybe. Yeah. And that, you know, I'm sure by Sunday we'll probably, you know, who knows what we'll have. We might have rain or mud or who knows. But. Um, but it, it it was cold. I mean, and, it, and you know, it was in, it was 39. It had dropped about five degrees from the time I got to the stadium around six until they kicked it off. And um, they had a big front push through yesterday, and there was a lot of rain. Um, and so, you know, the wind was still blowing. And you know, it, it's, it's a little bit of a shock to your system if if you have been living in the 90 degree heat that is Florida. Although I'm sure that Brady will be happy to get back there. You know, Tom, I didn't know what to expect from him after the game. Um, he wasn't too down. He, um, you know, I think, like like he's been in this position before, and it's just that some days you just got to figure out how to win. You know, even though you're not playing well, you got to find a way to get the wins because it's all about the wins. I mean, they're they're only halfway through the year. They haven't they haven't come close to winning enough games to even be guaranteed to go to the postseason. So, you know, if only him, they were in the
0: I, NFC East.
1: Well, yeah, that's true. They'd be they'd be running away with it then. Um, that's the thing. Like some team in the NFC East is going to win six or seven games. I think maybe they'll win five, but they win six or seven games, and they're going to host a ten or twelve win team.
0: They're going to host the Bucks or the Saints or you yeah, know, something like that. Yeah,
1: and 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 that that doesn't seem fair. You know, like that's the part where I wish the NFL would recede or. Or or not accept a, a team with a losing record from a division. Just take the next best. Or just team don't give them the, the home game. Or don't give them the home game. Right. That would be something else you could do. But yeah, and I and I know, you know, it it, it could work in the Bucks' favors one day. I mean, I remember, um, <laughs> one year uh, I think Carolina went at seven and nine, and uh, that might have been one of Levy Smith's earliest season. And we were halfway through the year, and I think the leader in the division had two wins, and Levy would say. Well, we're just right in it. We're just right there. All we gotta do is win two more games.
0: Well and as as you know, bad as the Giants have played most of this year, had they won today,
1: they'd have been fine. You
0: know, they would have been right there in the division hunt for the NFC East.
1: Absolutely. I mean, and and you know, not not well, a bad football team.
0: Yeah, this game meant something to them. I mean, it wasn't just yeah. you know, hey, Monday night football, let's play well. It's they're still in the division hunt because the NFC East is, you know, so poor record wise.
1: That's right. No, they absolutely are. So uh, it's going to be a hype week with uh, in Antonio Brown obviously with the New Orleans Saints who I you know you can't really go back and look at that first week I mean there was so little known of the offense by Tom Brady he hadn't been on the field with any of his guys in in you know sort of live reps um you know it was almost like the first preseason game and if you look at Brady you know through the first 3 games he was 3 touchdowns 3 interceptions now he's what like 17 and 1 um touchdowns and interceptions so you know they've gotten through that that first phase now it's just a matter of can they keep guys healthy you know can they keep um get keep their receivers coming on the well, field? one time they Scott had that issue in, in new
0: orleans it. too i believe mike evans was dinged up that first game if i remember,
1: absolutely and then chris godwin got a concussion late mm-hmm. and then missed the next two games so you know godwin's already missed four of the eight games you can't have that for the second half of the season if he misses four more games through the second half I don't know what they're going to be. Well, that's why Antonio Brown's here. I mean, that's why he's here. And and imagine, though, if he's healthy. Like, if Godwin can play, if not next week, but the week after, and can stay healthy, and you have Evans is feeling better. His ankle's feeling better, he says. He's gotten a lot of treatment on it. If you can have Evans, a healthy Godwin, and Antonio Brown, um, that's going to be kind of pretty much a nightmare for any defensive coordinator to figure out who you're going to double there.
0: And then you've got Gronk and Cameron Bright at your tight end there you spot, go. too.
1: Which I was happy to see Cameron get involved a mm-hmm. lot in the passing. He made some nice plays and some clutch third down plays. Yes, he did. And he blocked well. He yeah. was um, sort of played a little fullback as well. So I thought I'm the offensive
0: to... line played well again, too. I know they gave up they two did. sacks, but those were coverage sacks. Those, those weren't, were
1: coverage. Yep, absolutely. Know,
0: Joe Haig had a, a hold on, you know, when he was an extra lineman in there at one play. But beyond yeah. that, I thought the offensive line played well, other than Jensen's snaps, you know, the, the couple right. snap issues. But. Um, I thought the offensive line once again played very well.
1: Yeah, they've been solid.
0: And they're the only team, and they pointed this out many times on Monday Night Football, the only team to have the same offensive line start every game this
1: season. And that's that's just, you know, that's roulette. I mean, your time is coming, and sometimes you get lucky. And the teams that do, that avoid those catastrophic injuries to a unit uh, or to an offensive line, you know, sometimes are the ones that, that get through. So it's, it's all part of it. Um, You got to have some luck. You got to win some games that are close. Um, You got to win some games that, you know, look like upsets and the bucks managed to do all of that. And, you know, the goal was to get out of here six and two. And I think coming home against drew Brees, who will probably have Michael Thomas back, uh, the bucks will have Antonio Brown. I mean, it's, it's going to be an exciting week if you're a Tampa Bay fan. Um, and, And I'm, I'm curious, you know, Tampa Bay fans have probably, I mean, they, it's still got to be hard if you're used to watching this team lose those games week after week after week when they fight back and, you know, they have a lead and, um, but you know, to lay your head on the pillow if you're a Bucks fan and go, well, six and two, <laughs> you know, um, it's got to feel pretty good. So yeah, I'm happy for the fans that, uh, their team is on Monday night and, you know, hopefully they got a couple more opportunities with, the. Uh, uh, the monday night games um, you know that are coming up um but you know in the sunday night games as well hopefully they'll play better so the rest of the nation can see you know the, what they look like when they're all fired up on on the same sort of the same cylinders um, they really haven't been able to do that with the thursday night and the monday night game here in new york but um but it was exciting and it was uh, it's a win and uh, now it's home to a much warmer climate in tampa bay
0: now we're on to New Orleans. Is that, is that how we say it properly?
1: We're on to New Orleans. Yeah, <laughs> or you could do the uh, the Belichick. Well, just we're going to go yeah. on to New Orleans. We're on to New Orleans. Uh, you got to smack your lips a little bit. Yeah, we're, we're on to New Orleans. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Just a quick anyway. baseball
0: note: Kevin Cash was named a finalist for Manager of the Year in the American League this today. I think it's going to I be saw announced. That. I, next I did have week. a question
1: though: Is this his third time through?
0: Third time won? being nominated? Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, so you know Charlie
0: Montoya from Toronto and Rick Renteria from the White Sox, who's no longer their manager, are the other two finalists.
1: So, so the manager of the year that got fired is now nominated for Manager of the Year.
0: Yes. Well, and I I think he's going to win it. Um,
1: I, I could <laughs> really? be wrong,
0: but I, you know, look. I hope Kevin Cash does because I think he deserves it. And this yeah. is all done before the playoffs, so you didn't realize well, that you know the Rays went to the World Series. I, for him, well, yeah, yeah. Well, you didn't, you know, but you know, before Game Six, yeah. then you know he would have won that easily. And then after Game Six, who knows? But, um, but Rick Renteria, I mean, the White Sox, nobody yeah. expected them to win their division, and they did. So, um, and in Toronto, Charlie Montoya. Had to deal with uh, moving his team to Buffalo. Didn't even get to play a home game this year, so.
1: Yeah. Well, I hope Brady gets it. I mean, it's weird that the, the White Sox have hired, what, 76-year-old uh, Tony Larusa. Russa. Yes. Um,
0: well, you know, they, they didn't want to go I the guess. analytics route like the Rays after, you know, pulling a pitcher mm-hmm. after in the sixth inning, so they went the opposite way.
1: Yeah, but that's, you know, the weird thing is, I mean, he was in Oakland, right, where – Kind of a lot of that stuff was born. Maybe it was after. He no, died. he was, but yeah, he
0: was, yeah, he was gone. But he was in St. Louis at that point, but.
1: Yeah. yeah he well, was with the,
0: ba- he had the Bash brothers. He didn't need the analytics back then. He
1: had the, stero- he had the steroid guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he had. Yeah. Who needs the analytics? We'll just shoot these guys full of whatever it is they're taking. I'll have what she's having. Um, And they did. So, yeah, well, I hope Kevin Cash, look, he he he, he deserves it. I mean, to go 40 and 20. With all the with injuries all they, they had. had to deal with. Mm. Oh, my God. I mean, the, the number of, of, of wins they got from different pitchers, the number of saves of, of saves from 12 or 13 to whatever it was, crazy number of pitchers, guys that, that um, you know, people weren't counting on when the season started ended up being big players for them. And, um, you know, they took down the Yankees. They took down the Houston Astros. They took the Los Angeles Dodgers to six games. It was just a heck of a year and he's to be applauded for it. And there's some things going on, obviously we're still waiting to see if Charlie Morton is gonna uh go play someplace else or if he wants to play at all, if he wants to stay here in Tampa Bay. Um so there's gonna be a lot of a lot of movement and um you know, we'll we'll see. You I know, mean, they gotta keep that pitching staff as intact as they can. But um, you know, Charlie Charlie's at that age where he could retire too and, and I understand why, you know, fifteen million Maybe they don't want to pick up that option, but um, we'll have to see what the Rays do with that. Okay, uh, before we go, remember, folks, and I could use this right now. what did they deliver up here to uh, the greater New Jersey area? What do you think? I if think you the Uber party Eats bill platter, would be expensive. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, yeah, I would. I did Uber Eats one time. When where was I? I? Was somewhere on the road this year, and and I was stunned at. Um, how long it took me to get it <laughs> and then when it did the food was kind of cold but um i'm not bashing uber eats i just i'd never used it before but maybe you can get mr empanada to deliver uh or get uber eats for them it, if you uh want to know what an empanada is it, it's just this gorgeous pocket of homemade dough that they put your favorite foods in them and then they cook them till it's golden brown and just hot it's terrific you can order delicious menu items uh, they got soups they got salads they got cuban sandwiches do that online at Mr. or just call any of their convenient seven locations in Tampa Bay. We're Latin food, quality, and service meat. It's Mr. Empanada. Hey, we're going to have our mailbag segment tomorrow. Get your questions in. I'm headed back uh, in a couple hours to uh, Tampa on JetBlue, God willing. And uh, if you uh, ask us anything about the Rays, the Lightning, the Bolts, USF, uh, Florida State, Florida, whatever, um, just uh, send them to us on Twitter at SportsdayTB. You can send them to me uh, on Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. Your, question, your mailbag questions tomorrow, later in the week, we'll probably have, what, Chris Torello, I think?
0: He's going to join us on Thursday, yep. And we'll have Matt Baker on Friday as well, too.
1: And Matt Baker to talk uh, some college football. So a busy week ahead. And, of course, stay tuned for all the Antonio Brown uh, shenanigans and uh, Tom Foolery and interviews that uh, we'll be doing with him coming up this week because he's – eligible to play as we speak, as we do this podcast. Tuesday morning, he's able to uh, to join his team when they get back and uh, begin practicing. So that'll be something to look forward to on TampaBay.com. So for Street First, Nick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great, great day, everybody.